Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. Here on the podcast, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, for lots of free resources for teachers. Download any and all of them right on the homepage, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 159. So I'm recording this on November 29th, 2021. We are uh, at the Monday after Thanksgiving. So if you celebrate Thanksgiving, uh, I just here in the US want to say I hope you had a good holiday. And of course, to all the listeners, I hope you had a really great weekend. So um, I wanted to just kick off today's episode with a couple of just quick announcements for you. The first thing is on December 1st, uh, I'm sorry, December 11th, I'm going to be hosting my end of the year event just for yoga teachers. And this is something that I crafted with teachers in mind to really give you an opportunity to invest in yourself before the year is out and to kind of up-level your energy for the year ahead. So I'm calling it the Bare Bones Yoga Virtual Teacher Meetup. And it is a free event, totally free. And it involves a number of mini sessions that are really designed to not only give you some new information, but to facilitate some collaboration between you, uh, between us all as teachers around different ideas, uh, around what's been working for people, um, sharing of some goals going forward. And then a number of quick mini sessions that are focused on, of course, a yoga practice, meditation and deep relaxation. I've got two expert speakers coming to talk about topics of interest. One is an Ayurvedic practitioner, and she has been on the podcast before, Susan Weiss-Bolin. And another is my dear friend, Patty Ivey. I don't know if you heard that episode, but Patty is a master at coaching yoga teachers and really people in general in all walks of life. She is a leader of leaders and um, she is going to be speaking about goal setting for the year ahead, which is always a popular topic at this time of year. So to register for that event, just go to the events page on my website. And as I said, it is totally free and it's on December 11th. The next thing I wanted to let you know is, um, as I've mentioned before, over the past couple of weeks, I've opened, <laughs> I love to call it this, I've opened my virtual studio, opened the doors, my virtual doors, and I'm teaching regular weekly classes. So I'd love to see you at class. You can just sign up on the website website virtual class page, and you'll see the schedule there that I post weekly. And then the last quick announcement is, I know a lot of you listening are yoga teachers. If you're looking for an 
uh, a way to learn anatomy, but you don't have the time to invest in a full program, I've got my mini program and you get a discount as a podcast listener. You'll hear that coupon code at the end of this episode. I wanted to let you know though, that the price of that program, which is $27, that intro price goes away on December 1st. So if you're listening to this before December 1st, you can still get it at the current intro price of $27. And you'll also get a coupon, which you can get at the end of this episode. So those are the announcements I wanted to start out with. Let's just dive right into now today's episode. So if you listen to last week's episode, it was about different concepts from exercise science. And one of the concepts had to do with a muscle overtaking another muscle. And I don't know, I just recently did a workshop that I'm actually going to be repeating in December with a couple of minor adjustments. Uh, and the, the um, topic was concepts in exercise science that are helpful for yoga teachers to know. And in last week's podcast episode, I went over three of them. And I'm not sure if I went over this particular one, it had to do with, or it has to do with this concept of one muscle taking over for another when that muscle is weak. And this is a scenario that we call synergistic dominance. And it really is the body's way to kind of cover for a muscle that's weakened by allowing its neighboring muscle that does uh, the similar task, uh, does a similar thing um, to cover for it, to take over for it. And while this might seem like a great thing in, in actuality, it's, it's not so great because what ends up happening is that muscle that's making up for weakness in the primary muscle, um, over time just keeps taking over the, the full brunt of the load. And so the prime mover never really gets a chance to improve, to make up for its weakness or to strengthen as it needs to. And so this synergistic dominance is definitely something that we would want as individuals to correct. We would want to help our students correct. It's not necessarily something though that they'll be conscious of. So it's really, I have to say, as a personal trainer as well, it's really something that you would most likely address more as a personal trainer versus a yoga teacher. However, in our role as yoga teachers, um, and especially because we're primarily teaching groups rather than one-on-one, it can still be a really um, valid theme for you to bring into your classes. And that's why I thought it would still make sense to go over some of these, um, some of these concepts around the gluteus maximus weakening um, in today's episode. So here, I want you to think about it from the point of view of, um, first, I'm going to describe a little bit about what happens when the glute max gets, gets overly weakened and why this is a problem. And then what I'll do is I'll go into a little bit around how you can correct this in sequencing that you offer your students. Again, this is, you know, going into it as a yoga teacher, we're not necessarily going to know if someone has one muscle stronger than the other when they're doing a particular anatomical action, but it's still something that we can offer students 
And for those that need um, the benefit of it, they'll get it. For those that don't have this kind of imbalance in their body, it'll just be just good exercises for them to do, good postures for them to do, and, and they'll get the benefit of it as well. Um, so let's start from the beginning. So as I said, we're going to look here at this concept of the gluteus maximus being overly weak. And I want you to keep in mind that let's start from the basics. The gluteus maximus, its primary role is in hip extension. It also does a little bit of external rotation, but its primary job is to help in hip extension. So this we would see in postures like bridge or in postures like where there's bilateral hip extension, both hips are in extension, or postures like crescent lunge or warrior one or warrior two, where the back leg has the hip in extension. So the prime mover is the gluteus maximus to bring the hip into extension or the hips into extension in the case of a posture where both hips are in extension, like wheel or camel uh, or up dog. Uh, however, in the scenario we're talking about here, where a neighboring muscle is making up for weakness in the prime mover, the muscle we're talking about in this case uh, is the hamstring complex because the hamstrings also contribute to hip extension, even though their primary role is knee flexion. So here you have um, the hamstrings making up for a weak glute max. And over time, this dominance of the hamstrings never really gives the glute max a chance to catch up and make up for <laughs> its developed weakness. And I'm going to go into a little bit about why the weakness shows up in the first place. So what I did was I took this in preparation for today's episode, I took this topic and I went to the medical research and I pulled up a study that was published in the International Journal of Sports Physical Therapy, the IGSPT. And it was published fairly recently, July 14th of 2019. The, um, the first author of this, uh, of this study is Matthew Buckthorpe, PhD. And I'm going to include the link to the study in the show notes for today's episode. And so you can find those on my website podcast page, and you can look at the actual study itself. Uh, by clicking the link that I'll include there. The title of the study is Assessing and Treating Gluteus Maximus Weakness, a Clinical Commentary. So this is essentially three different authors of this study. They didn't actually do a study themselves, but what the, themselves, what they actually did was they reviewed some of the um, information out there and they commented on it themselves. So let me just give you just kind of an overview here of some of the highlights of, the, of this commentary. So the first notation is the gluteus maximus muscle is the largest and most powerful in the human body. It plays an important role in optimal functioning of the human movement system, as well as athletic performance. However, and this is what we were just talking about, it's prone to inhibition and weakness, which contributes to chronic pain, injury, and athletic underperformance. As such, it's helpful to understand how to assess and treat glute max dysfunction. And it's an important aspect of 
working with individuals. Now, of course, the, the primary audience for this particular document uh, is the clinical environment. So I'm gonna make some connection to um, yoga teaching in a, in a couple of moments here. I wanna just present to you some of, the, some of the more clinical stuff, but I think it's done, it's written in such a way and I can kind of paraphrase it in such a way to make it um, maybe a little bit more understandable. So we know that you know, we've already said, okay, glute max is the strongest and biggest muscle in the body. I've already shared that it's the prime mover when it comes to hip extension. It helps us maintain an erect posture and we're using it all the time in terms of just activities of daily living. Now, um, it acts as both what they call a local and global stabilizer and to exert force as a global mobilizer. So different muscles work as part of different systems in the body. And one of the things that the glute max helps us do is keep our pelvis steady. And this is definitely something we might see in a yoga practice where let's say you have somebody coming into bridge pose and instead of maintaining that kind of neutral spine, you might see a lot of movement through their hip or someone at standing might take a position where their pelvis is tipped forward or anteriorly tipped. And some of this can be in part due to weakness of the gluteus maximus to help maintain a level pelvis. So this is definitely something that we would see as yoga teachers. Now, the commentary goes on to say, understanding why the glute max becomes dysfunctional is important to understanding how to correct the underlying dysfunction and potentially reduce injury risk. And it goes on to say something that I'm sure many of you are gonna be familiar with hearing. It says, firstly, lifestyle is thought to be a major contributor to reduced activity of the gluteus maximus. It is thought prolonged sitting reduces the activation of glute max, and over time, these muscles become atrophied and weak. This weakness of the glute max is thought to, is thought to increase reliance on the secondary hip extensor muscles, such as the hamstrings and the adductors. So I want you to keep in mind the adductors on the hip are bringing the legs closer together. And oftentimes when there is this kind of dominance of adductors and hamstrings versus glute max when it comes to hip extension, this is where that imbalance uh, can, can occur. So um, as we look forward and we say, okay, well, great, this is all well and good, but how are we going to apply this to yoga teaching? Again, we're not working one-on-one -on -one with someone to know if they specifically have glute max weakness. There are different movement type tests you can do, certainly in a physical therapy environment, you could do certain assessments that involve using certain tools to assess the strength of a muscle or the range of motion at a joint. We're not getting into any of that. What we're doing though is we're offering in the context of group classes movement that is generally beneficial to most people. And in the commentary here where they were commenting on the effects on glute max from prolonged sitting and that it gets weak, I think in general, you can assume that most of the people coming to your yoga classes have been sitting a lot 
and certainly these days a lot more than usual. And so that can lead us to a bit of an assumption, but I think a, a, a fairly accurate one that a lot of folks are going to have weak glute max when they come to our classes. And so anything we can do to, to help strengthen them is going to be helpful. It's actually interesting because today the title of my free uh, virtual yoga class is lower body blast. And it's kind of a fun title for what I plan on doing, which is focusing on strengthening the glute max. So it just so happened that I pulled this study up today and that's, um, and that's what I'm going to be focused on anyway. So when you take a look, if you take a look at the study, um, or the commentary, you'll see a number of images of, uh, a study subject, um, or really a demo person demonstrating different movements that can be done to both strengthen the gluteus maximus and help it uh, and its neighboring muscles contribute better to correcting that pelvic instability. And so some of these shapes that you see are going to look sort of like yoga poses. So what I've done is I've kind of translated some of them into different things that you could do as a yoga teacher, you could offer as a yoga teacher to keep kind of consistent with this theme of strengthening glute max. So one of the things that you'd want to look for, and this could kind of fall into the topic of improper alignment, but I really, I try not to use that phrase as much because it really, I think implies there's only one way to do a pose and it implies some movements are bad. And I think it kind of it kind of encourages yoga teachers to fall into that binary thinking. And, and I want you to just kind of, as you're watching people move, understand and appreciate there's so many different things at play that it's really, really hard to put uh, any kind of cookie cutter approach onto this concept of working with the human movement system. Mm -hmm. Having said that though, I think there are some things we can look for as teachers that might give us a sense that something's um, not working as optimally as possible. And one of the things that you can look for is this idea of pelvic instability. So that might be the sort of thing where you have somebody in Tadasana, as I said before, and you see an anterior pelvic tilt, the belly button is focused down towards the ground instead of straight ahead. It can be something like you have someone come into tree pose and you see the pelvis shift laterally or to the side. Um, it could be that you see someone in warrior or crescent lunge and you see a big sway back and that can um, kind of pull the, lift the top edge of the pelvis up. So instead of the uh, posterior tilt, now you have, instead of the anterior tilt, you have the posterior tilt. So any of these things can be classified as pelvic instability. And they can be in part, uh, the reason for it can be in part because of weakness in the gluteus maximus, along with other muscles like core muscles, like the transversus abdominis, which goes around the center of the body, um, or the, uh, rectus abdominis, which runs from the belly button up to the sternum. So this is just a nod to other neighboring muscles that help with the stability of the pelvis. It's not just the job of the gluteus maximus. Now, the other thing that I want you to keep in mind is when there's that sort of weakness, what there can also be is a bit of tightness in muscles that do the opposite. So when we see something like an anterior pelvic tilt, 
not only is that because of a weakness in glute max potentially, it can also lead to over time tightness in the muscles on the front or the anterior aspect of the hip. So in this case, we're looking at the rectus uh, femoris, which is part of the quadriceps and responsible for hip flexion. So you've got the weak glute max on the one side, you've got the overly tight hip flexor on the other side, on the front side of the hip. So now you can start to see that there really is kind of a systemic issue or problem here. The other thing that happens when you have that anterior tip of the pelvis is you've got that bigger sway back. And so what can happen there is over time, you can create tightness in the lower back muscles, specifically the erector spinae, which normally there's just kind of a mild, um, uh, I don't want to say caved in, but it's a, it's technical term is a lordosis that kind of sway back. It's just kind of a mild curve. You can feel it for yourself right now. If you take your left hand and place it on your lower back, you know, what is typically called the small of the back, you can feel just kind of a natural inward curve or a lordotic curve. But if someone has excessive anterior tip of the pelvis, that that curvature is going to get bigger. And that over time can lead to some tightness there of those erector spinae muscles. So when you look at an approach to addressing this, one of the things that would be helpful to do is to relax some of those tight muscles. Now, most of us in our yoga classes are not integrating self-massage techniques like myofascial techniques. Uh, however, I, I do sometimes, <laughs> and um, I would highly encourage you to, to get training on different myofascial techniques. I, I provide that as part of my signature program. Um, it's definitely something that you can use when you're teaching specifically to help relax some of these muscles that tend to be tight. Now, in the absence of using tools like foam rollers and self uh, myofascial release uh, uh, massage balls, we as yoga teachers have at our disposal um, different kinds of stretching. So whether it's um, well, we really wouldn't want to be doing passive stretching, but more active dynamic kind of stretching. And so things that would fall into that category would be in, in terms of this would be to lengthen hip flexors that might be overly shortened or tight, anything that falls into the lunge sort of category. And that also, if you can focus people on maybe drawing the belly button in a little bit to lift the front edge of the pelvis as they're doing uh, any kind of lunge that can help kind of mitigate some of that excessive lower back uh, lordosis that's there and bring a little more neutrality to that lower back curve. So any of your lunges would be helpful. The back bending series, whether it's up dog or camel or wheel is is all good for lengthening uh, hip flexors on both sides. So that gets you focused on relaxing or lengthening those shortened hip flexors. So now when you wanna focus on strengthening a weak glute max, when you look at the, um, at the commentary, you'll see some pictures of shapes that they have the study person doing to strengthen glute max. It, 
it's going to be pretty obvious to you what some of these shapes are are in the yoga teaching <laughs> uh, vernacular. So definitely chair pose that would qual uh, qualify as a strengthening exercise for the glute max where you're weight bearing. Another variation of chair pose, which is kind of cool, is a one-legged chair where you have someone come into chair and then kick the right leg forward so the right leg is straight and then put the right foot down and then do it on the left side. The important thing to look for when they do this is you want to see stability in the rest of the body. You don't want them to kick the right leg forward and then see the pelvis tip or see the arms fall forward or see the lower back, you know, take on that massive sway back. This is, of course, hard to do when you're teaching online, hard to do when you're teaching a group of people in person because you can't keep your eyes on everybody. But a way to get around that is to just, you know, give your students a heads up. Hey, we're going to be kicking the right leg forward. See if you can do that without moving anything else, without dropping your arms forward, without letting your belly stick out, you know, whatever you want to say, just encourage them to try to isolate the movement. Another thing you could have them do is crescent lunge. That certainly is uh, a strengthener for the glute max. You could add some dynamic component to it by having them in crescent lunge and then have them pull the right knee into the chest and then step back again. And then have them pull the right knee into the chest and step the right foot down so both feet are together. And then take the left knee up into the chest, step the left foot back, hold, left knee to chest, step it forward and then repeat. So it's a little bit of a dynamic uh, movement. The other interesting thing is, you know, in the um, exercise science kind of personal training world, there's there are a number of exercises that they call step-ups. And this involves stepping up onto a platform and coming down. You could, if, um, you know, I wouldn't recommend this for students who have balance issues or who are you know, balance challenged as a result of uh, injury or balance challenged, which can sometimes happen over time as people age. If you have a group of students who you think are fairly stable, you could have them step up onto a block and step down, step up onto a block and step down. You could do that uh, single leg uh, on one side and then the other side. And then there is a lateral version of that where you could stick the block in the center of the mat and have them step up and step down and then do it on the other side. It, it does fall a bit into the exercise science gym slash personal training arena. Um, however, some of these variations can be interesting for your students. And if you pull it together in a theme, like lower body blast or you know lower body strengthener whatever you want to call it it'll give the students context so they're not just thinking you're doing something trying to be cool or trying to be different there's actually some some logic to it so that's for weight bearing exercises for non weight bearing exercises if you bring people into side plank and you do leg lifts so even side plank with the knee down and then kind of a leg lift uh, of the straight leg, that is something you can add in. You can also do a one-legged bridge. So you could have them come into a typical bridge pose and then kick the right leg straight ahead, not up to the sky, straight ahead, put the right foot down, kick the left foot straight ahead, put the left foot down. You could do it a couple of times. Quite frankly, in this study here, they talk about 
testing the glute max strength by doing some of these exercises to exhaustion. You wouldn't do that in, in your yoga class, but just to give you an idea, you could certainly do two rounds on each side. And then if you've ever done bird dog, uh, I think it has different names. This is where you're on your hands and knees and you kick the right leg back and the left arm forward and then you release and then you kick the left leg back and the right arm forward and then release. So the back hip is moving into extension. This is also good work for the glute max. So all of this together just gives you a little bit of um, background on gluteus maximus weakness there and how to address it. There's a lot more that you can read about um, in this uh, article here. This, I don't really wanna call it a study because as, as they say, it's more of a clinical commentary. Um, it's really fascinating. And over the next couple of um, episodes of my podcast, I'm definitely gonna try to integrate more for you from the research. So um, if you've got any questions that you've wondered about or any topics, I'm happy to do uh, some of the legwork and then use that as a topic for a future episode. And I'd also love to know just what you think of this. Is this something that's of interest to you? You know, my goal in sharing this information is not to dive deep into the weeds. Um, it's more to make a link, make a connection to the world of empirical data and to pull from it uh, information that's relevant to us as yoga teachers, and then to really put a perimeter around it so that it's not just overwhelming for you to hear, uh, but more it's uh, a way to learn additional information and then how can you actually apply it to your teaching? And really keep that in mind, friends, because there's a lot out there that I think can be cool to see and cool to read, you know, and cool trainings to sign up for and this, that, and the other. But if it doesn't really allow you uh, or doesn't give you the skills or information around how to apply it to your teaching, it's really just kind of info you're gonna have. And quite honestly, unless you're using that info, it's really hard to retain it because then it's just something you heard and you don't ever really apply it. So I'm always about trying to give you ways to apply the information so it's, it's really uh, more meaningful and more beneficial to not only you, but to all the students you interact with in your, in your classes. So ha, that is it for today. I hope that was interesting and helpful for you. Um, I'd love, love to see you in class. So please um, join me. These are free 30 minute classes. Uh, I'd love to see you in class. And you know, when you're there at the end of class, un unmute yourself from the Zoom call, ask any questions that you'd like. Let me know that you heard about the class from the podcast. I would love that. I have had some folks join and, and they have mentioned that at the end and it's been so great. Or if you don't wanna unmute yourself, just write it in the chat. I always read the chat messages after each class. And don't forget at the end of this episode, which is coming up in a moment or two, you'll hear um, my little blurb about the mini course and the coupon code is there. And if you get it before December 1st, it's still at the intro price of just $27. And then lastly, I hope to see you at my free end of year, end of year event, the Bare Bones Yoga Virtual Teacher Meetup happening on December 11th. And you can see all the details on the registration page, which is on the events page of my website, barebonesyoga.com. And I'll be posting about it every day on my Instagram. 
comments, questions, feedback, just send me a DM on Instagram. And I hope you have a really wonderful, wonderful week. And I look forward to another episode coming up next Monday. Take care and namaste. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. Before you go, I want to let you know about a new mini course I just created as of October 2021. It's called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program mini course. It's essentially an introductory version to my signature program that teaches you anatomy so that you grow your confidence in sharing cues and sequences and in all those conversations you have with your students. If you're like some of the yoga teachers I speak to, you might feel as if you don't have the time to do my full program. That's one of the main reasons I created this mini course, which will give you all the same steps in my signature blueprint approach to teaching you anatomy and will allow you to complete it in much less time. There are 10 modules each of about 10 minutes each, and the entire program walks you through mini lessons from the larger program. You'll leave with specific new skills that you can start to use right away. You may also leave with a keen interest in enrolling in the larger program because your curiosity and confidence have been stoked. For you, the podcast listener, I'm offering $5 off the purchase price of the mini program, which is just priced at $27. So the cost will go down to $22 for you. Once you complete the mini course, you'll see in the next step section how to get a $50 credit to put towards the larger program should you decide to invest in that in the future. To purchase the mini program, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com, click the link for online courses and select the mini course link. When you check out before you enter your credit card, enter the code podcast and you will receive the $5 off. I hope you enjoy the program. I hope it stokes your curiosity and builds your confidence. Namaste.